Uh, I'm 35 now, although I don't like to admit it. And um, one of my physical therapist friends posted an article that said ultra running is the new midlife crisis. Diz Runs Radio, episode 687, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick, before we dive into today's episode, just want to uh, let you know that today's episode is sponsored once again by uh, my, my friends, the good folks over at Exoskin, uh, who's kind of disrupting the, uh, the, the dry fit compression gear, uh, moisture wicking uh, market. Uh, they're just kind of turning, turning things on their heads with uh, just, you know, top-notch technology, patented designs, um, all kinds of good stuff. And, and one of the things that Exoskin really does and, and um, one of the reasons that I like my, my gear so much, my, my shirts and my socks and the, and the things that I have looking forward to getting some, some, uh, compression tights as well, uh, kind of do a little recovery work on that front. But, uh, you know, what I like about what I do have so far, what I can speak of the, the shirts and the socks is that they're super comfortable, you know, which, which is ultimately, I think something that can kind of get overlooked. Like we want things that perform well. We want things that, um, wick the sweat and, and, you know, just feel, feel good. But, uh, you know, sometimes we're willing to sacrifice that feel good component for something that uh, does the job. We don't like to think that we do that, but uh, I know I do it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're better than I am, but uh, I know I do. And with, with the exoskin gear, it really is, you know, almost feels like kind of a, a second layer of skin. Like, I mean, it doesn't. If you, you, obviously, you know you're wearing clothes, but no matter how sloppy, wet, sweaty, gross you get. I mean, I wore the, the socks during the the uh, bear bait ultras. And we ran through a, a pretty good mud pit, uh, you know, two miles deep and then 30 more miles with, with, uh, the same gear on. And I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't bunch. It doesn't rub. You know, we've already talked about the fact that there's fewer seams, um, almost no seams, although they, every, everything has to have a seam at, at some point, but you know, no seams to rub or very few seams to rub just good, comfortable gear. Um, so if you want to check it out, and, uh, save yourself a couple of bucks, if you decide to, to grab, uh, an article of whatever, you know, shirt, shorts, compression tights, uh, socks, whatever the case might be, head over to exoskin.us, shop around, see what kind of different products. They've got a whole host of different things available. Like I said, the, the bottoms, the base layers, the shirts, the compression shirts, uh, long sleeve, short sleeve, oh, everything, everything that, uh, that you might want and more things coming as well. Exoskin.us. Use the code DISRUNS at checkout to save yourself 20%. And now let's go ahead and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was scrolling through the Orange Mud Ambassador Facebook group page, and uh, there were a bunch of new folks that had just uh, you know gotten accepted into the crew, and they were introducing themselves, and I was just kind of reading through and welcoming some folks, and uh, I, I saw a part of, a, of an introductory post that uh, was just too good to pass up. It says, uh, and I quote, uh, I'm an exercise scientist by day, dot, dot, dot. I study the genetics of exercise using fruit flies, believe it or not. Uh, obviously something like that. I wasn't just going to scroll past and not, uh, at least, uh, inquire about maybe having, uh, this person on the show. And so I reached out, she said, yes. 
and uh, here we are. So definitely looking forward to uh, obviously talking some running, but uh, getting into some uh, some of the the, uh, the science, uh, cutting edge science of what she's got going on. Uh, learning a little bit as well uh, from uh, f- a fellow member of the Dirt Unit, Miss Allison Wessels. So thanks for uh, joining us today, Allison. Really uh, looking forward to it, and appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having. Me. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and guys, if you want to check out more about Alice and what she's got going on, uh, we've got all kinds of links here, and uh, you, you may want to, to navigate to the show notes for these at some point, but uh, she's got a new blog. This is probably the easiest link of all of them that we're going with today. Uh, a, a new blog, you can check it out. I mean, I think there's like one or two posts on it as we're recording this, but obviously more to come as, as time allows. Runningwithforceps.wordpress.com is the website for the blog. If you uh, want to dive into more about her research and some of the things she's got going on there, researchgate.net slash profile slash Allison underscore Sikowski. And again, you're never going to spell that right. Uh, I would never have spelled it right <laughs> if I was guessing. Uh, it's Allison with a Y. So it's A-L-Y-S-O-N, then underscore, and uh, Sikowski, S-U-J-K-O-W-S-K-I. On the Twitter, uh, same same handle or you know same same name I guess all compressed at Allison Sikowski. Uh on the Instagram got the married name there at Allison Wessels and that's W E S S E L L S. And if your head is spinning from trying to, to spell all these different names and remember all the links, uh, you know we got you covered there. Dizruns.com/six-eight-seven is the link that'll take you back to the show notes. We'll have everything linked up. Ellen will be doing the show notes just like she always does. And so you can get, uh, get the, the, the short version of the, of the show. You can get the, uh, the, see some photos and obviously links will be there as well. So, uh, Allison, now that we got all, all of that done and out of the way, um, time to get to the fun stuff. And that's just to, uh, the, the way we start off each, each show, um, is, is with, uh, the same launching off point, the same question, uh, which is easy for me to ask for some people it's difficult. And it tends to be, if I'm painting with a broad enough brush, the ultra runners have the hardest time answering this question. I know you've gotten into some ultra running recently, so maybe you'll struggle. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see. But it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? It's true. It's a little bit tough because um, I just started with the ultras. Uh, so I would want to say 50K, uh, but I just ran my first 50 miler, and I really loved that too. <laughs> so uh, I guess, you know, I, more more to come later. So mm-hmm. My first 50 mile, I loved so much that 50 mile might be my, my favorite, but I'm, I'm planning on a hundred miler this year. I guess, uh, I like the challenge of going further. I feel like I like the ebb and flow. I like that, you know, sometimes you feel like you can't possibly go anymore mm-hmm. and then you start to feel better. Uh, so I guess maybe after this year, I'll be able to answer that a little bit, uh, with more certainty. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for right now, I'll say 50 K I, uh, I really, I really like that. Um, I, I, you start to feel something different than with, with some of the shorter distances. Uh, and, uh, I like the challenge of having to put in a little bit more work. Uh, and also I like that all the ultras for the most part, they're really on trail Mm -hmm. and that's what I really love the most is really getting out in the woods and doing a little bit more, uh, less of the road stuff. I never really feel like I meet anybody that goes from road to trail and just wants to go back to road forever. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's definitely something, definitely something about the, the trail and, and, uh, um, I, I always, I always smile, uh, inwardly and, and outwardly when I, when I'm talking to somebody and they say, yeah, you know, I just, it's just something about going that, that shorter stuff, like the marathon just doesn't, doesn't quite do it for me. Like the longer stuff, like the, uh, the ultras do, because, um, I've done it. I've done a couple of 50 Ks. I'm, I might, uh, I might have a couple more in me uh, sooner rather than later. We'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. But, uh, 
I don't know. Twenty six point two is a pretty good distance for me, whether it's it's road or trail. So it's it's you know you you crazy people that go beyond that. It's I just I can't help but tip my hat. It's uh it's something to go to go twenty six or you know thirty miles, thirty one miles, fifty miles. Goodness gracious, that's uh that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. I don't know. It's something I think also because I'm not very fast. Mm-hmm. There's there's something to be said about being able to go a little bit longer that I feel like I can take some pride in because I never was really a speed runner. So, um, I, I like that I, I can go a little bit longer. So gotcha. Well, yeah. It's, uh, and that's, and that's the beauty of our sport is, is fast, slow, uh, long, short, whatever there's, there's options for everybody. And, and, uh, for the most part, uh, I think we're maybe the most uh, inclusive group, uh, out there as well, where just, you know, come on, come on and join us, whether you're fast, slow, run, walk, run the whole thing, whatever it is, let's, uh, let's do it and have a little fun at the same time. Oh, absolutely. We always kind of say no, no runner left behind. You exactly. know, there's always a little bit of power hiking involved when you get on the trails too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely going up some of those, those hills, depending on, on where you, where you're running and, and uh, obviously the, the, you know, the, the, the course itself. But yeah, uh, I remember talking to, I think it was Sage candidate, but it was, it was somebody who's, who's a pretty, pretty high end, uh, ultra runner, uh, several years ago. And, uh, he said, um, you know, never, never run up a, a hill that you can walk up just as fast. So if you can power hike it at the same pace that you can run it, um, it's not worth trying to run, like save that extra energy. Cause you're going to need it later in the race. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's all about kind of energy con- conservation, you yeah. know, and, uh, knowing how to manage your, yourself during those long distances. So we'll see how I do this year. Cause I've got, like I said, only one 50 mile under my belt this year, a few more kind of leading up to that hundred miler, which feels a little bit scary to say out loud, but I'm hoping for a successful one. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I have no experience. I have nothing I can help you with as far as, uh, you know, personal, uh, anecdotes or things like that. But, um, you know, just, you just got, I guess you just kind of have to, to obviously do the work and then, uh, put it, put yourself out there and see what happens. And, and just like anything, just like any race that goes good or bad, you know, you learn from it and, and grow from it. And, th- and then the next time around, hopefully it goes a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. So curious to, to know, uh, Allison, how, how did you get into running to begin with? Is it, is it something that's, uh, you know, you said not, not necessarily the fastest, but have you always kind of enjoyed the sport or, or how did you, how did you find your way into, uh, into the world of running? You know, uh, I wasn't really into it until I was, uh, in grad school. Um, and actually I was in medical school at first, I wasn't really in research, uh, and I was finding myself kind of dissatisfied there. Um, and, not kind of knowing where to go. People that were good at biology when they were an undergrad just kind of all went to medical school. And I was feeling a little bit lost. Um, And I just started to look outlet, I guess. Uh, And so I, I just started to kind of run roads and, you know, one mile led to two miles and, you know, two miles led to three. And, you know, there's just kind of certain milestones that you start to hit. And I think it really clicked for me. Uh, it, it was definitely a trail run. Um, I remember talking to a race director for a local trail run. I was in the Toledo, Ohio area at the time. And it was a 25K. And that was much further than I'd ever gone. Uh, you know, maybe six miles was the furthest I'd run ever. And uh, it was a low-key race with the local road running group. Um, and I kind of talked to the guy and was like, is a lot farther than I've ever run before, uh, but it, it sounds like fun. Could I come? And he was just like, you know, uh, we've got people at every aid station. You can drop at any point. Um, and, you know, we'd love to have you. And I just remember something was just so different about getting out on the trails than doing these roads. And 
I felt like I could go a lot farther than I ever had before. And I just felt so much happier out there. And it became kind of a, I don't know, a release and an eye-opening experience for me. I felt like this was something that I could do and I could enjoy. Uh, and I made a lot of decisions at that point. I guess there was always an ebb and flow to my running. I didn't really get into it uh, really consistently and really do the trail running, running all the time, maybe until the last five years or so. But I always went back to the trails. And it wasn't until I did the trail running consistently that I, it really clicked. Um, so yeah, I guess it was kind of just in a, in a period of kind of confusion for me. That was something that, that helped me feel less confused. So yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, no matter how they, they got started, no matter where, no matter the, where they were, when they, they kind of, you know, when, when things did click and kind of get, get into it, I think, think all of us at this point, you know, after you've been running for a while can, can kind of appreciate that. Yeah. When, when things get a little bit crazy, when life's a little confusing, you're not sure exactly kind of which way is up sometimes. Um, boy, nothing, nothing better than getting, uh, some miles. And if they can be on the, on the trail, um, especially those that have run trails before, like that's, that makes it kind of almost even, even, even sweeter, but uh, just any miles can be good at that type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was surprised I, I was able to finish. I, I don't know that I was, you know, I was probably somewhere in the middle of the path. It was just, it was a neat experience. And uh, I guess I always remember that. I, I still go back and do that one once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's only about an hour drive from Detroit, Toledo. And, you know, it's fun to kind of go back and just, just do that run. They've now added a 50 K where oh, you just you do the, the loop twice. And um, it's, it's a nice one. So um, I'm glad that that's still somewhere I can go and it's kind of home for me. So, right. Yeah. Always. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, when you have the opportunity, if you can, if you can kind of really kind of remember where, where things kind of fell into place and where, you know, where you really uh, kind of that, that first, that, that first race, uh, getting back to experience it again, uh, is, is something that, that's cool to do. Uh, you, you mentioned several times now, and, and just the, the, the handful of minutes that we've been going so far, um, the joy of, of the trails and, and, uh, you know, how you kind of tended to keep navigating back to the trails. Um, yet I, I, I know you kind of just mentioned it there just a second ago that you live in, in Detroit and, uh, I'm not, um, I mean, I, I'm from Michigan, but I'm kind of from like five and a half, six hours away from Detroit, you know, been to the city a few times, but not, uh, not spent a lot of time there, but, uh, I'm not sure that I can envision much for, uh, the trail area in, uh, in, in that part of the state. Do you have access to trails regularly or do you find yourself on the roads on a maybe more consistent basis than you would like to be? Oh, uh, so it's actually a nice mix. So we've got, uh, you know, there's some great urban trails around here. We've got like the, the Quinder cut greenway, which it's only about, you know, a couple miles long, but it's got like some nice graffiti and like local mm-hmm. artists and things. And that's paved and that'll lead you to like to the river walk, which has kind of all the Detroit sites. So that's not really trail, but, um, it's fun to do during the week when I can't get to the trails. So, but pretty much every weekend I, hit, uh, I go about an hour West to Pinckney. Um, and so that's closer to maybe like the Ann Arbor area. And there's just a great trail system there. And, um, they've got, uh, several parks that just have, uh, some nice elevation and they vary in technicality from, you know, pretty easy stuff to really technical mountain bike trails that are uh, friendly for runners, uh, that are good to practice on when I'm, training for races that are maybe in like the upper peninsula or a little bit tougher. And it's really just like a 40 minute drive. Uh, and we have a group of runners that pretty much go every Saturday or Sunday. You can find somebody that's meeting out there at, you know, six, seven or eight, and you'll find a group of people that are going. So it's never a far trip. So I feel like I get the mix of both. I get like, you know, the, the convenience of city life mm-hmm. and I've got some nice places to run, but plus I've got, you know, 
country trails uh, not far away at all. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the key. It's something I, I feel like I've I've heard several times from, from a variety of different cities where it's like, yeah, you know, being right right in you know some of these these bigger. Uh, metropolitan areas like there, there might not be a lot. Although I've heard that DC is surprisingly uh, good trails, right in even in DC proper. Um, but but you know it doesn't take very long to get out of town. Um, almost no matter what city it sounds like to find to find some good trails. So glad you you're able to find those and and able to scratch that itch on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I've also run into some groups too. Um, so the Pinckney area I've been familiar with a while because we've got. Um, uh, community of people that put on a lot of races, but I've even found a local group that they're actually Detroit based. They know a lot of gems that are actually, you know, maybe 20 minutes away, like, uh, mountain bike trails that are maybe mm. shorter, only three miles, but they're all, you know, really close to this city that I didn't even know about until this year. Um, and some of them are pretty gnarly. I mean, you'll get a really good workout on them. So, uh, sometimes you kind of don't even know what's right in your backyard. If you just need to know where to look. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's, that's, that is true. I've, I've, uh, uh, said many times on the show that, uh, I, I wish we had more trails, you know, that were, yeah, cause I'm in central Florida now. So it's, it's mostly, you know, lots of swamps, but like same, same thing, same, same exact thing that you just said. Like once you find one and you kind of get plugged in and you run into a couple people out there, it's like, Oh yeah. Have you run this trail? And you're like, well, I've never even heard of this trail. And it's like, Oh, it's just, you know, it's just three more miles that way. And, and, and here you go. And it's like, wow, like there, there are there that you can probably find them if you, if you know where to look. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, uh, you know, kind of, connecting the dots a little bit more. So you got started out on the, on the trails and, and the first race, the first kind of longer race, 25 K, um, fast forward to a bit more recently, um, a bunch of 50 Ks in the last year or so, if I remember correctly, including the, the first 50 miler, what was it that, uh, that, that, and maybe this kind of ties back to the original question and, and just kind of that, that drive to keep going farther, but what was it that, that pushed you, you know, kind of beyond, um, the, the, the marathon type of distance into this, this ultra marathon world, which, uh, boy, you can really go down that, uh, into a whole host of different distances and, and, and types of challenges. But what, what was the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, to get you started into the, uh, the, the world of ultra marathon running? You know, it's kind of funny to nail down. I, uh, sometimes I think it, it was just seeing some of my friends doing it. Sometimes I think it's my age. I saw an article by one of my physical therapist friends that uh, I'm 35 now, although I don't like to admit it. And um, <laughs> one of my physical ther- therapist friends posted an article that said ultra running is the new midlife crisis, <laughs> <laughs> which I hate to think of it that way. But um Sometimes I think, uh, you know, I remember running some road marathons and thinking, you know, there's just no way I could go six more miles. Mm-hmm. At 26, I'm totally spent. But I, I started to feel like, I don't know, maybe I needed a new challenge and I needed I needed something else to push for. Um, and I was starting to feel like as I was getting older, I wasn't feeling older. I was actually feeling healthier and better. And there were things that I wanted to do. And um I don't know. It seemed like a new goal, mm. something that I could pursue that would be fun, that I enjoyed. And I actually found that uh, I enjoyed it more than marathoning. Um, I like the training aspect of it. I like the camaraderie. I like the afterward, um, kind of the glow that you feel afterwards. I, I feel like there's kind of nothing better. Um, but I don't know that I can really nail it down. I think I just wanted to see if I could do it. I like to go after things. I've always kind of been a go big or go home person, even Mm -hmm. in the lab. Um, I'm doing an experiment right now with 700 samples and 
I, I've kind of always just, I go through these cycles where I do something really big and then I kind of want to relax for a little bit of while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just kind of always been a part of my personality. So I don't know. Um, it's difficult to really come up with an exact moment, but I, I can't say that I'm glad that I did because I've met a lot of really interesting people and they seem to be really like-minded. So, uh, I guess I'll just kind of keep doing it. I don't know if I'll go past a hundred though. <laughs> that seems a little bit nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, with, with all due respect, ma'am, I, I think a hundred seems a little bit nuts. So we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, I have some friends that are going for like 150 and 200 and I uh -huh. just can't imagine right now, but I guess never say never. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I've learned that lesson the hard way that, that, that's what got me into the, I think the first, uh, ultra marathon was I'll never do this. I'll never do this. And then pretty soon that gets, that resolve gets worn down and you're like, well, I, I wonder. And at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all over. You're going to, you're going to go do it and see what it's like. So yeah, I, as much as I can say that a hundred seems crazy, I, I definitely will not say that I'll never do a hundred. I have no plans to at any moment, you know, anytime soon. But uh, who knows what the future holds? Yeah. So, it's, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. It's exciting, I guess. <laughs> it, it definitely is. And, it's, you know, and it does. It kind of scratches that, 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 that itch of, of what's possible. You know? and, and I feel like that's, that's one of the big things that I've, I've gotten from running is just that you know, like things that I didn't think that I or wondered if I could do. Could I do that? Could I run a, a marathon? Could I, I run a, a marathon in X amount of time? You know, what, whatever it might be. Could I do a 50K? And it's like, well, I mean, I've done, I've done those things. Like, you know, and there's still some things I'm trying to do, of course, still goals I'm working towards, but it's like, you know, I wonder, I wonder, could I go 50 miles? Like, I mean, I probably could if I, if I put in the training and wanted to do it. So, you know, who knows, who knows what the future holds, what life brings. But, uh, I, I love the idea of, of just continuing to, to, at least have an open mind to what, uh, you know, and if you want to do something, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it's the pursuit mm -hmm. and, uh, maybe, uh, reaching outside your comfort zone once in a while. So, uh, I think the, the rewards are great. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> um, speaking of, of the pursuit and, and, uh, and chasing something down, um, if, if memory serves from reading the, the, the blog a little bit, I, I think that, uh, you know, you said something in there about a 50 miler and, and, and not making it miss, miss the cutoff around the 50 K point and then going back and, and running a different 50 miler to, to get that, that race distance finished. Um, what was, you know, for, for somebody that, um, is still, I don't know if, if relatively new is quite the right way to say, I mean, you've got more ultra marathon experience than I do, but you know, it's not like you've got dozens of finishes all, all over the place in, in ultra marathons, but you know, what was that DNF like for the first time trying a new distance? Was that, was that disheartening? Was it just kind of a learning process? How did you, how did you deal with that situation? I was pretty disappointed. Um, I was, uh, I was ready to kind of really tackle it and I felt like I really could. I felt like I had it in me to do it. Um, I had the training in me and I had, I think mentally, uh, the mental game is I think what I really have strengthened. Um, I've done 32 miles on a treadmill, which is pretty mm. miserable, <laughs> basically just by, you know, not looking at the monitor for the entire time. <laughs> uh, and I just felt like it was something that I could have achieved if maybe I had tried a little bit harder and put in a little bit more work. But I also felt like I was really glad I did it. And I think that was also kind of a turning point for me where I felt like I could do more. And uh, like uh, you kind of suggested, it was, it, was an, it was a learning experience for me. Um, I felt like there was more that I could do and there were all kinds of these amazing people that I met. 
Um, and like I said, it's kind of the pursuit that's part of part of the reward and going outside of your comfort zone that really makes all this kind of worthwhile. And if you're going to try these things, there's going to be points where you don't succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll succeed at this first hundred. A lot of people don't. A um, right. hundred is, you know, twice as far as I've gone. I mean, I don't, I can't even fathom what it's going to be like, but I think that, you know, this journey is, is part of what I'm trying to experience. And, uh, you know, not everybody has to run ultra marathons, but they're all kind of journeying towards something and there's going to be failures along the way. But, uh, you know, part of those failures is what makes people grow and it's what makes, you know, things great. And, uh, you know, going back to science in the lab, uh, so many of our experiments fail and graduate students, myself being one of them frequently get disheartened because they feel like none of their things are working. But, um, if every hypothesis ended up true, then everybody would be a famous scientist with the Nobel Prize and we really wouldn't discover anything. And, uh, you know, part of self-discovery is finding out different ways to fail so mm-hmm. you know how to succeed later. So um, I yeah. guess that's how I feel about it in probably too many words. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I think I think it's something that um, and, 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 you know, again, for my limited ultra marathon experience, um, I, I feel like what I've, what I've heard and seen in that, in that world is that like DNF is this like, you know, I mean, I've heard the, the death before DNF type of thing, which is, which is hopefully a little bit, uh, you know, hyperbole, but, uh, that, that kind of mindset of like, I, 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 I will not, not finish. I will not stop. Um, and, and you get that maybe a little bit in in the road running community, although I, I don't feel like I've I've heard it as as much or seen it as much as I've heard it with talking to, to various uh, trail runners and, and ultra runners. But I, I think it's I think it's a valuable thing to to keep in mind, not just in running, but but like you said, in the lab and in in other areas of of life as well. Where you know what, like like nobody wants to fail, of course, nobody sets out to 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 not be successful, but it is part of the process, and and. You know, it, just because you have a DNF doesn't mean you can't get out there and try the race distance again and be, and be successful and, and, and learn from it, grow from it. And then, you know, like, just like you're doing, set the sights higher and, and aim towards, towards the next thing, um, which, yeah, you know, twice as far. I feel like that's, that's a, a runner math thing right there. Cause I've, you know, heard, I, I've said guilty of saying that, oh, half marathon is just half of a marathon. And then after enough experience, I feel like now nah, 20 miles is about half of a marathon. So I don't know. I don't know where the, the halfway point is of a hundred miler, but uh, I wonder if it's 50 miles or if it's more like 75 or 80, but uh, I, I don't know. So I'll, I'll let you uh, report back on that uh, after this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I am a very young ultra marathoner. I mean, I've only got one season uh, in me and I don't know from the people that I've spoken to, I think there is that death before DNF attitude, but in practice, I think there's a whole lot of DNFing going on. But mm. I think in reality, all of those DNFs are really just progress towards bigger goals. You know, every mile that you put in is part of, you know, a bigger goal. And eventually, you know, you're going to get that finish or maybe you won't, but you're all going to have this great journey together and it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, whether you get that buckle or you don't, uh, I think everybody's enjoying it, uh, most of the time, uh, there, I mean, there's some, there's some discomfort involved, no right. doubt, <laughs> but you know, they keep coming back. Yeah. I, I know people that, you know, have tried hundred mile after hundred miler and 
they, you know, they haven't gotten that buckle, but they, they come back every year, you know, uh, why do they keep trying, you know, because they must enjoy the process and they must enjoy the atmosphere and what they're doing. Uh, it must not all be about just getting that finish. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great things to, to keep in mind that the, that the, you know, the journey is as important as the, the destination sometimes. And, you know, again, I mean, you can, you can translate that out from just, just running to a whole host of other areas of life as well. So, um, Allison, I, I definitely want to shift gears and, and get into the, the research and make sure we've got plenty of time to, to dive into that. So we're going to do that. Uh, but, but first and foremost, uh, before we get to that, just want to take a quick second, pay a couple of bills. Thank the folks from Exoskin for their continued support of the show. Uh, they, they've been a, a, a new sponsor now for, for a few weeks. We've been, we've been working with Exoskin and we'll continue for uh, several weeks, weeks longer at least, hopefully even, even longer than that. But uh, guys, if you're not familiar with Exoskin, it's, it's, a, new, it's a new-ish company. Um, that's kind of disrupting the, uh, the, the dry fit, uh, uh, game. Um, they, the, the, uh, materials that they use, the, it's, it's a patent, uh, patented, uh, process to, to create the, the, the fabrics, the, the fibers, the, the, the sweat wicking, the odor eliminating, um, the, the, from, from the socks to the, to the compression shorts, compression pants, uh, shirts I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing uh, one of the shirts right now. Didn't, didn't necessarily plan that, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's that comfortable. It's great to, to run in, uh, great to work out in things like that, whether you gym out on the roads, trails, whatever. Um, great, great gear, uh, super comfortable, not a whole lot of seams. I think I said something before about there's, there was not a seam on the, on the socks. Uh, I did find one. There's one seam on, on the, on each, each sock that I have, uh, just around the ankle. So there's nothing rubbing on your toes, nothing rubbing from your, you know, friction from your shoes to your toes, which is something that, uh, I think maybe we can all say we've gotten a blister that way at some point or another. So uh, super comfortable. Uh, definitely can vouch for the uh, odor elimination properties as well because I may be guilty of wearing the socks multiple, multiple, multiple times in a row. Um, and they don't, they don't stink. And, and granted, I don't have much of a sense of smell, so maybe it's just me. But uh, I, don't, I don't have a wife telling me to, to wash my damn socks either. So uh, check them out. If you haven't done so already, you're not going to regret, regret it. Exoskin.us is the website. And uh, make sure you use the code DizRuns at checkout. It'll save you twenty uh, percent uh, on on everything in your cart. And uh, like I said, super worth it. Uh, holds up well. Wash them. Take care of them. You don't you don't have to worry about them. You know, losing losing the uh, the properties or starting to become uh, saggy and droopy. They 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 they, they are good all around products. So check it out. Exoskin.us. DizRuns at checkout. So. Allison, uh, like we teased a little bit at the beginning, and, and we've mentioned here and there, um, your your job is uh, something that uh, is is pretty related to uh, you know your passion for running as well, which is which is something I've I've kind of created for myself as well, which is which is really cool. You don't have to feel like you're working quite as much when you're doing something that you enjoy and that you can learn from and benefit from. But uh, how'd you get into this this world of um, exercise? Uh, science and, and researching uh, the genetics of exercise. How did I know you said you thought about going to, or you had started down the path towards med school and, and uh, kind of came out of it? But um, where, where did you? How did you come down to this kind of specific uh, part of the the research world? Well, it's funny. Uh, my graduate work was actually in. Um Neuroscience. It wasn't in exercise science necessarily, but it was in invertebrate genetics, um, and. When I graduated, I had more of a background. I was brought up in like ballet, like classical ballet. I wasn't a sports person, uh, but I always liked exercise. Um, and so I came across this job at the University of Michigan, um, and it wasn't uh, myself that uh, 
invented the system. It's uh, my boss, which is uh, coincidentally now my husband. That's a whole different story. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I read his a couple of his manuscripts and I was just like, you know, wow, not only is this invertebrate genetics, which is what my uh, degree was in, but uh, it's exercise, which I, I like, you know. And uh, so it was a really kind of elegant model. Uh, so uh, fruit flies are they're They've been used for genetics for years. Uh, they're fully genetically sequenced and they have been for a long time. So it's really easy to manipulate their genes. Uh, you can do a lot of tools really quickly and cheaply and also ethically like PETA never bothers us about really anything. <laughs> they really, they, they really don't matter, don't, whatever. Yeah. They really don't <laughs> care about them. But, um, you know, my husband, uh, he thought that, uh, what would happen if uh, we could actually get them to run, which no one had ever thought of? No one was no one was exercising invertebrates, mm-hmm. um, and so they have an instinct. It's a, it's an escape response that if you knock them down, they instinctively uh, if you put them in a vial and knock them down, they'll run up. And so he just thought, well, what if we just did that over and over again? And uh, it it's, it's it's stupid how simple it is. And so he built a simple machine that just knocks them down over and over and over again. And tried a bunch of different uh, programs to see if any of them would actually like help them run better. So that's the point that he was at when I entered the lab, which was about uh, maybe 10 years ago now. Um, and so it was just starting and it hadn't really taken off. Like people weren't really believing in it yet. Um, but he had established, you know, that, okay, if we put them through this program, they actually do run faster. And he was actually a heart expert. Fruit flies have fly, they have hearts. Um, and he had figured out that they'll run faster and their hearts get stronger if they complete this exercise program. So then, um, when I entered the lab, I actually was able to figure out that they actually, uh, burned fat as well. And, uh, I figured out that, uh, their genetic changes were all very similar to the changes in humans after they exercise. So this was all kind of important in establishing the model. Um, so now we've actually like published a lot of papers and, uh, we've figured out that, uh, we can actually look for genes that are mimics in humans. So this could be really powerful because we can study, you know, thousands of fruit flies in the time that it takes to study maybe one gene in a mouse. Mm -hmm. And so we can do these gigantic screens and maybe try to identify a gene that we could target to help somebody that, is sick or is injured because, you know, when people are in the hospital for months at a time and they can't move and they often get these horrible cardiac problems, they get horrible bed sores, you know, they can't move anymore. So uh, it really would uh, potentially help with a lot of medical costs. So that's kind of the, like, I don't know, boring. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's boring at all. I don't overview. know. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple people think that, but I think it's, I think it's fascinating. So, yeah, but uh, it's, 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 it's pretty exciting. So I, uh, the, the, I, the big paper that I, I put out maybe about a year ago was that um, we can actually mimic all of the effects of exercise in fruit flies just by activating a um, hundred neurons that are their fight or flight neurons. Mm. And they're, um, they're actually conserved in humans. And so 
Uh, what's exciting about that is that we just started a virtual reality study in humans and it's working. We just got preliminary data that you can actually put humans through like a virtual reality program. We're doing it just in college kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they uh, go through this virtual reality program, we actually get their heart rates to increase and we're getting their um, they release like these good for you chemicals that actually could mimic exercise. And we learned that from fruit flies, which is really, really cool. So it's the first kind of study of that of any kind. So we're really excited by the preliminary data. Wow. That's like, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I have, I have probably a hundred questions or that might be a bit uh, overstating, but I have several, <laughs> several questions that I, that I could ask. And, and I, I know we're not going to get to them all, but the, this most, the, the, the one from what you just said that, that pops up into my head, um, and, and maybe maybe this audience of, of people that are runners, it maybe wouldn't be something that we would want to try to take advantage of. But um, the, the first thing I think of is, you know, we're going to we're going to when you said that you're doing this study on, on the college kids where it's like you're, stim- you're, you're virtual reality stimulating them and, and getting some of the benefits of exercise. Um, I could see plenty of people in, in uh, America and other parts of the developed world going, well, hell, I don't need to exercise anymore. I can just put these put these goggles on and go. Um, what, I'm assuming you've thought of that. What's, what's, uh, what's your response to that? We have, and we're, we are, we're a little bit worried about that. Um, so we're finding that the response is kind of variable and the fitter a person is, the less well it's going to work. Right. <laughs> so, um, because, um, if you're already, you know, pretty adapted to exercise, then you're probably not going to be tricked as easily right. um, because your body already knows what it's like to exercise. So the people that are really going to be helped are people that, um, you know, are kind of having these problems and, and they're unable to uh, kind of move their muscles normally. So we're, we actually think that it's going to help the people that need help the most people that are maybe like paraplegic and people, uh, that are already like really, uh, unadapted for medical reasons. And, uh, that's actually because, uh, most of the people that, um, are already pretty fit are not going to respond as well to some of these chemicals because their body's already adapted. Uh, but yeah, we don't, we don't want to necessarily advocate that, you know, there's like a pill that's just going to like fix mm-hmm. everybody and make everybody lazy. Cause that would not necessarily be a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, it's a difficult line. It's a difficult line to tread. Um, but, uh, we still think that, you know, we could help a lot of people that actually are in need, you know, that, uh, maybe, uh, are paralyzed or that are, uh, you know, really mobility impaired. And so, uh, you know, people people get worried by the ethics of, of these kinds of things, but there there's also a lot of problems, you know, that, that need to be solved by right. this kind of research. Of so, yeah, and, and I wasn't I wasn't trying to come across as as uh, anything other than just curious of, of what the thought was. Oh no, and, and I feel like it's yeah. kind of probably something similar to um, you know, kind of thinking back a, a handful of years, but like using the the Nintendo Wii or some of those those motion captured video games where it's like. Like people were saying, oh, this is this is like exercise. And it's like, well, it's kind of not, but it's a step it's a step closer to being more active than just than just sitting on the couch and playing a video game. So maybe it's something yeah, like that as well. Yeah, yeah, and we also, you know, um, we we also are looking at things in combination, which people are kind of already doing. You know, you see all those commercials for like the Nordic tracks that have mm-hmm. like the virtual trainers, and that's already encouraging some people to get a little bit more work when they're not super motivated to get outside. Um, so people are already kind of onto these things. Um, 
And, you know, that's just one of the studies we have going on in the lab, too. We have a graduate student that is working on um, mitochondrial diseases. We have a student who's working on um, different transport proteins. So the system can be used for all kinds of things, not just finding exercise Mm -hmm. mimetics. So um, it's kind of neat because when I first started in the lab, it was kind of just him and I. Um, And now that, you know, we've got people kind of understanding the system and believing in it, there's so many different applications. Uh, Watching the lab grow is really uh, rewarding to watch. So, um, and I I think getting people uh, excited about the stuff that we do and also getting excited about doing exercise. It's funny, the the whole lab is kind of a bunch of exercisers. Uh, except my husband. <laughs> he loves to go hiking in national parks, but if you make him go any faster than a, than a walk, then he's, he's kind of uh, uh, loses interest. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny how the guy, the guy in charge is the one that uh, is, is the least active, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is what it is. Um, again, I mean, I, a, a dozen questions. I know I'm not going to get to all of them. I'm probably going to forget half of them, but um, you, you, you mentioned that, Obviously, you know, even though even though there's a lot of similarities and, and, and you can learn a lot from the fruit flies versus, you know, us as, as humans, um, there's not necessarily there's certainly not a one to one type of, of relationship of if it happens here, it's certainly going to happen for, for us as, as human beings. But uh, I, I'm curious, you know, with with some of the tests you've done, I don't know if this is something that, you, that you've tried or, 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 or uh, you know, have come across at all, but I'll just ask it and see. Um, has have there been, you know, you, you said that having the fruit flies do the, do the workouts, they, their, their hearts get stronger. Um, they, they, they become, you know, quote unquote more fit. I don't know you didn't use that word, that word, but I'm going to plug that in there and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's kind of the, the, what, what you're getting at. Um, curious if there's been a point where it's been like, um, almost like an overtraining effect where too much of a quote unquote good thing has not been a good thing for the fruit flies. Cause as, as humans, I know that uh. we, we experience that where, you know, you can show up to a race totally over, like, Overtrained, burned out, like you're going to have a poor performance. Is, is there anything like that that you've, that you've noticed in your research? We actually can, yeah. So they age a lot faster than we do. Um, and we find that if we um, train them too much as they get old, then they start to um, deteriorate a little bit. But if we ramp the training back as they get older um, and kind of scale it for their older age, mm-hmm. then they actually are still able to benefit. So, um, and that may be a little bit, uh, different. And, um, also I guess just like in humans, I think it's, uh, individual dependent, right. you know, like you'll frequently see, uh, some, you know, 75 year olds are still running ultra marathons and they're still, you know, doing these CrossFit classes and lifting a ton of weight. Um, and then you'll see some that are, that are quite frail and you would have to scale it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, fruit flies are more, um, uh, amenable to population type studies. Um, so sometimes it's difficult to scale to like each individual mm-hmm. fly. You would have to kind of label each one or give them a little cape or something, which right. is quite difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's possible. Um, and those are things that we would like to do, but, uh, yeah, you do have to kind of, um, adjust for, uh, the age and, and condition of, of the actual flies. So yeah, that is something we actually do see. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, cause, cause I just, you know, obviously no one, no one runners, um, you know, you hear something where it's like, Oh yeah, if I, if I do some of this more is probably better. And it's not, uh, not always, not often the case. Like at some point that, 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 
benefit of uh, the the, uh, the the return uh, st- ceases to be there. So I was just just curious about that. Um, a- another question. Um, it's maybe a, a bit. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit less specific to the research, but uh, but we'll see where it goes. Um, what if if anything? I'm, I'm assuming there's there's probably something, but what what that you have studied uh, has there been anything that's impacted you specifically? How how you train? How you um, view exercise? Has there been anything that that you've seen that you've implemented again, knowing that it's not going to be a one-to-one situation, but you see something and, and kind of maybe, uh, I don't know, do you get that kind of scientist? Like I'm going to test this on myself and see if it's a similar result. Have you, have you gone down that route at all? Um, somewhat. Uh, so flies, not necessarily in our lab. Mm-hmm. Um, although we're delving into it flies, something they're really excellent at is a uh, diet. Mm. So they are one of the best models for studying how different dietary modifications affect healthy lifespan, healthy longevity, and um, healthy metabolism. And uh, over and over again, people are studying different like high-fat diets, different compositions of carbohydrate metabolism, different uh, fatty acid metabolisms, things like that. And, you know, over and over again, uh, the components of the diet have been studied and over and over again in flies, in mice, in so many model systems, the best diets are ones that are ones that are composed of moderation. And, you know, where you're looking at a nice balance of nutrients in reasonable proportions of calories. And I just, I'm always going to kind of live by that myself. Um, and not kind of prescribed to any of the fads. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also translates to a lot of the human studies too. Um, it's just something that comes up over and over and over again and that I strongly believe in. And we've also seen it in some of our studies, like when we look at some of the dietary components and then exercise the flies afterwards, uh, you know, they do best when, the, when they're given balanced dietary regimens. And so that's just something that I'm always going to prescribe to myself. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, what, what a, what a cool opportunity to be able to, to, to see some of these things. And like you said, I mean, you can, you can witness it over, over, over time, but like, you know, you can have your, your one batch of flies and kind of go through that whole life cycle with them in, I'm assuming a fairly short order and kind of continue to see the results play out. And, um, I I would imagine that if, if I was in your position, there'd be, there'd be a few things that would be just something like you see a result and you're like, wow, that's interesting. Like, like, let me just go ahead and try something similar as, as a human and see what that does. So that's a, a kind of cool opportunity. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's neat to always kind of be at the cutting edge when you're, when you're, and, and also things that I'm not expert in, you know, when we go to these meetings and seeing people that are so much more knowledgeable in fields that I'm not Mm -hmm. so knowledgeable in to, to learn about that kind of thing too, is always really kind of exciting. Yeah, certainly. So what, what, um, I don't know, maybe this is, this is an impossible question. It, it, It very well might be, but what, of the things that you that you guys are either starting to work on, or maybe it's kind of on tap for for you know kind of looking looking for some experiments to run um, in the in the coming weeks and months. Uh, what's got you most excited for something something new on the on the horizon of what you're working on? Oh, geez. Um, one of our students is looking at um, a gene that's involved in fat browning. 
Uh, it's a gene called irisin. So that's, you know, the kind of fat that uh, is kind of metabolically active and it's activated by cold. Mm. Um, and so you only have it really when you're an infant. And uh, the potential for that to be something that could actually be activated um, in adults would be really powerful to convert, you know, your white adipose that really is just kind of sitting there as an insulator to something that actually could um, be metabolically active and, and generate heat and generate uh, calorie burning properties. That uh, would be really a neat thing. Um, and they've just identified that there is, uh, it is in flies and people weren't so sure that it was. Uh, so that, that's going to be a really exciting project and he's a, he's a really bright kid. So, uh, I think he's going to do well with it. So awesome. Awesome. Well, it's, uh, certainly I'm, I'm excited that we've been able to, to connect a little bit and, uh, I, I hope that as the research continues to unfold, we can, we can come back and, uh, maybe, uh, get caught up on, on some new things and some new, some new, uh, like you said, you're on the cutting edge. Um, and, uh, would love to kind of live on the cutting edge vicariously through you a little bit if, if we can. So, uh, certainly, uh, that's, that's exciting stuff. Um, as we're, as we're wrapping up, Allison, the way I like to, uh, to close things out, um, is with something fairly similar to the kind of the introductory question. I call it a philosophical question, but it's, it's really not anything scary. Just, just a, a, an open-ended kind of your take on something. And this is how we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up and, and we'll put a bow on it after this. Um, but I, I'd just be curious, um, I don't know. I've got, I've got a list of a few things. I'm just going to try to pick one of these here, but, um, how would you say in, in the, the, the years that you've been running, uh, since that, since that first kind of dabbling and, and that first 25 K, uh, in, in Toledo, uh, back several years ago, um, how would you say that, that being a runner has changed you? Maybe, maybe, um, and maybe I'll even make it a little bit more specific. How has being a runner changed you as far as, as, um, going down the, the career path, the research path that you've gone down? Um, is there something that maybe you've learned as a runner that has benefited you, uh, in your career path to this point or something along those lines, uh, open-ended and, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up at that point. Um, I think, uh, you, you probably get this a lot, but someone recently in the ultra community, I think there's even a book called relentless forward progress. Mm. Uh, I guess that has changed me. So as a, when I first started running and as a young graduate student, I always wanted to quit and even DNFs now, I don't think they even feel like, I don't think they feel like quitting. You know, I think you always have to just keep pushing forward. And I think that is what has changed in me since that first race. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you always have to keep moving towards something. So relentless forward, forward progress, I think is a good kind of mantra to live by. Mm. That, that, uh, works for me. And, and, uh, definitely as, as is usually the case, I'm not going to, not going to say anything else and muddy that up. So we'll just, we'll wrap things up right there. Great, great thing to, to leave in everybody's mind. Relentless forward progress. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, once again, guys, the new blog is running with forceps.wordpress.com. If you want the, the link to our research, uh, a page uh, with all, all of the updates and things that are going on in the lab, 
Uh, we'll have that in the show notes along with Twitter, Instagram, uh, on the Twitter at Allison Sikowski, uh, on Instagram at Allison Wessels. And once again, this, the spellings are a bit of a hot mess, but you can check them out. Uh, a bit of a hot mess to try to guess at uh, is, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, but uh, uh, everything will be in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash 687. So, uh, Allison, thanks uh, once again for, for taking the time today and, and sharing a bit of, obviously, your story, a bit of the research as well. And uh, like I said, if slash when there's that next breakthrough, that next exciting thing, um, I hope we can come back and, and do this again and, and talk about uh, what else is going on in the world of fruit flies and how that relates to uh, human performance. But uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best this year. Go get that 100-miler, and uh, we'll certainly uh, continue to be in touch. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Allison and myself. And as always, would be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that we talked about today that uh, kind of stuck in your head or rattled around in your head or uh, made you stop and, and rewind and listen? Listen, to, let me listen to that a little bit again. Uh, always, always love to hear what your takeaways are, and uh, I'll obviously be sharing mine first. So. For me, the, the takeaway from today's episode uh, was when Allison was talking about her, her DNF in her 50-miler, uh, the first time she tried running the 50-miler, um, and just kind of how she didn't let that that DNF completely demoralize her. Uh, you know, she recognized that maybe it's the scientist part of, of her, her brain and her life, you know, recognized that failure oftentimes is part of the process. You know, we, we try something. We uh, hope that we did everything we needed to do to prepare, you know, when it comes to running, maybe a new distance, aiming for a new time goal, whatever it might be. You know, we, we've, we've done the work, hopefully. We, we think we're prepared. We think we're ready. We go out there, we lay it on the line and see what happens. And sometimes, sometimes we're successful. Sometimes it's a, it's a colossal swing and a miss. And, and it's easy to call that a failure. And, and I, I mean, technically it's, it's a failure, you know, not, not trying to, uh, to, to beat around the bush too much, but just because you fail doesn't mean that, that. You, you don't have another shot. doesn't mean that it's not something that you can learn from and assess and say, what can I do better? You know, failure is part of the process of improving in, in all areas of life and, and running is certainly no exception. So, you know, there, there is sometimes that, that thought that, you know, the death before DNF uh, type of mentality, especially on the trails. Um, but even in, in, you know, road races, I've, I've seen runners talk to runners uh, that, that are maybe a little bit afraid of, of failure. So they don't sign up for something. They don't put themselves out there. They don't push themselves to, uh, to see what they're, they're actually capable of over the course of whatever the distance might be from, you know, one mile to 5k to marathon to ultra. They're, they're, you know, afraid of failing, afraid of not reaching their goal. So maybe they set the goals short, uh, so that they're, they're more likely to be successful. And I just think that, that, you know, again, in all areas of life, we need to maybe turn the focus away from failure as this negative thing and just see failure as part of the process. It's, it's the next step. It helps us to take the next step and it doesn't make it fun. doesn't make it an enjoyable part of the process, but it's part of the process nonetheless. And so, um, I just really registered with me and how she, she took that first 50 miler, learned from it, even though it was a, a failure and came back and, and ran the next one and, and finished it and did just fine. Um, and, and no doubt that failure in the 50 miler will continue to, to push Allison forward and something to, to learn from as she, uh, sets her sights on that hundred miler, uh, later this year. So failure, it's not the, not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Uh, especially when it's something like running where you can always get another shot. You can always try it again, hopefully new and improved and, uh, you know, can get over that hump for the next time. So that was my takeaway. 
Uh, that's what stood out to me. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet or an Instagram message at DizRuns on both places. You can also shoot me an email, DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to show notes for this episode and leave your thoughts and feedbacks, comments, takeaways, and whatever else at DizRuns.com slash 687 is the link that will take you to today's show notes. And uh, we've got all the links and photos and all the things there, DizRuns.com slash 687. So with that, we'll go ahead and, and uh, put a bow on this thing. One more time, thanks to Exoskin for sponsoring today's episode. It's exoskin.us is the website. Use code DizRuns at checkout. Uh, save 20% on the best uh, you know, dry fit gear, base layer gear, um, or just athletic wear that, uh, that, that you've had. And uh, like I said, they're, they're disrupting the game. They're going to be a, a major player here soon. We got, them, we got in on the, on the ground floor, uh, and you're going to want to get there too. DizRuns, doc, DizRuns is the code. Exoskin.us is the link. And uh, now, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one as as always. Hope you enjoy all the episodes. Uh, if you did, go ahead and tell somebody about the show. That certainly helps and uh, moves the needle and is very much appreciated. So until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk again soon. See you guys.